The information provided by Monroe Partners is general information and is for educational purposes only. The podcast is not intended to include or constitute as financial product advice. You should obtain independent advice from a licensed professional advisor before making any investment decision. The views held by Monroe Partners are current at the time of recording and are subject to change. Information about the Monroe Funds is available at munropartners.com.au. Munro Partners is a corporate authorised representative of Munro Asset Management Limited, AFSL 480509. Hello and welcome to the Invest in the Journey podcast. My name is Taylor Bree Casey and in this episode we are discussing the controversial topic of nuclear energy. When people think of nuclear energy, they often think about the three-eyed fish and power plants from The Simpsons. However, nuclear is not the green goo that's been portrayed in the famous show, but has become a hot topic in clean energy. To help me break down the myths and discuss why it can be included in our climate area of interest, I have James Tosindis and Mike Harut sitting down with me today. Hi both, welcome back. Thank you. Thanks, Tyler. It's certainly nice to have you both back on the show. James, maybe we'll dive right in and start with a bit of a stock thesis. Can you tell me about Constellation and Energy, who are a bit of a, a leader in the space? Can you tell me about who they are and what they do? Yeah, thanks. Um, yeah, so... Constellation Energy is a nuclear power plant operator in the US. They're, the way to think about it in terms of what they produce, they produce enough power to power about 15 million homes. Um, 95% of that is sort of carbon free. They are a recent listing in the US uh, because they've spun out of a larger company called Exelon, uh, which is a sort of traditional utility. So they've spun off their nuclear power plant portfolio, I suppose. The average age of the, the plant's about 40 years old. They don't build new nuclear power plants in the US at the moment. So it's a pretty unique asset um, in terms of this stock. And yeah, it's one we're glad we found basically. And where does it sit within our climate fund and climate portfolio? Yeah, um, sure. So within the climate fund, as uh, people that have sort of come across our product may be aware and maybe for new people listening, maybe not, but I'll, I'll quickly recap. We have four key segments in that fund. So we have clean energy, we have circular economy, uh, we have energy efficiency um, and we have clean transport. Um, and so Constellation Energy sits within that energy efficiency piece or clean energy piece, sorry, I should say. And that sits alongside basically all of the operators out there that are not effectively emitting. So it sits alongside the renewables developers, like so, so the solar and wind companies that we invest in and the battery companies and so forth. So the power battery companies are power storage. Um, so... Yeah, so it sits alongside them as a clean energy producer. Uh, and so I suppose there's a bit of controversy to that. So is nuclear clean energy? And I suppose that's a topic we're going to get into today. Yes, yeah, so following on from that, Mike. So our entire climate portfolio is about the enablers of the decarbonisation of the planet. How does nuclear fit in um, as a as a decarbonisation enabler? Yeah, absolutely. So as, um, as James said, nuclear energy isn't exactly renewable energy per se, but it is carbon-free energy. So if you look at the analysis of life cycle emissions by different fuels, nuclear energy, this was surprising to me, but nuclear energy is actually the low, has the lowest life cycle CO2 emissions of any energy source, uh, even lower than solar and wind because to develop solar and wind, you know, wind farms, for example, you need quite a lot of steel and that requires, that requires uh, you know, the burning of fossil fuels. The other thing with nuclear energy is that in the US it's been around for many, many years, so for around 50 years, and the accumulated emissions saved from the use of nuclear energy in the last 50 years 
is equivalent to something nearly two years of the entire global energy emissions today. So it's been a long source, I suppose, of essentially emissions-free or carbon-free energy. The last time I had you both on the podcast, we spoke about the Inflation Reduction Act. James, can you maybe tell me how the Inflation Reduction Act accelerates the transition um, and does the bill support nuclear energy and then how would that impact Constellation Energy? Yeah, thanks. So quick step back again. Um, so the Inflation Reduction Act is a big piece of news basically for the whole climate sector. Um, it helps many of the individual areas of decarbonisation that we look at. So whether it be solar, wind, batteries, energy efficiency projects, etc. But nuclear is actually a big beneficiary um, because of this production tax credit uh, or PTC for short. So basically what that does is traditionally Constellation Energy and other companies like it basically are exposed to power prices. Um, and so pro- power prices in the US have gone up a long way in the last sort of year or so because natural gas prices have gone up a long way, partly because of the, the war in the Ukraine. Um, and so basically their earnings have gone up because power prices have gone up. Now, obviously the reverse can happen. So natural gas prices can collapse. It's a commodity at the end of the day. There's been numerous instances through histories where you know, natural gas has collapsed or other commodities have collapsed. And so Constellation could see the impact of falling power prices as well because of, because of that, um, which would impact its profitability. Now, what the pre-TC has done is it basically puts a floor under the earnings of uh, Constellation Energy because the US federal government now basically guarantee a certain payment for producing nuclear energy because it, it is clean, it doesn't emit carbon. Um, and so the way to think about it is it's basically a put option on the company's earnings. So they can only fall to a certain level without getting sort of too wonky about options and so forth. But that, that's the way to think about it. That's the analogy. That's, that's a good way of thinking of it. Mike, nuclear energy is a controversial topic from an ESG perspective. One of the concerns is nuclear waste. What do you think about the risks around nuclear waste? Yeah, so uh, again, first of all, to acknowledge, yes, it is a controversial topic from an ESG perspective. And I think um, it's something that we've looked quite carefully at, as, as we do, given our approach to ESG integration. I think, you know, to answer your question around nuclear waste, there's probably three comments I'd make. So first of all, again, I enjoyed the Simpsons reference earlier. You know, my understanding a few years ago uh, around what nuclear waste looked like was that it was, you know, kind of green um, goo that was in very, very large amounts. But the reality is nuclear waste is essentially a solid. And the other thing is that because of the energy density of nuclear energy, the amount of the pellets required to produce a certain amount of energy are very, very low compared to other forms of energy. So one pellet of nuclear fuel, which you can hold between your fingertips, is the equivalent of a tonne of coal in terms of how much energy it produces. So the actual amount of nuclear waste is a lot less than you would initially think, again, from sources like you know, the Simpsons. Probably the more important thing about nuclear waste is how it's actually stored. And so, you know, we've, we've engaged directly with Constellation Energy and with their materials and the way that it's stored is essentially in water pools initially, and then in steel and concrete casks, which are, you know, something like 50 centimetres plus in thickness. So extremely robust storage, you know, in our view, and then essentially when, once, once the fuel is spent, it's actually up to the US Department of Energy to you know, manage it. Currently it's stored on site, but there are plans to actually find a permanent storage place for all the nuclear energy fuel that's been spent uh, in the US. Probably the final point is just around radiation. So obviously the reason why you need to store the nuclear energy 
the, the waste from nuclear is to because it's radioactive. But given the way that it's stored, it's actually emits a lot less radiation than, say, coal-based energy uh, in the US. So again, you know, which is more radioactive, coal or nuclear? Most people, I'm sure if you ask them on the street, would say nuclear. But given the way that this fuel is actually stored in the US by companies like Constellation Energy, it's actually coal that actually has more of a radioactive element to the, you know, the waste that's generated. That's really interesting. I didn't know any of that. A second concern is nuclear accidents such as Chernobyl and the Fukushima disasters. What gives you confidence in Constellation's management of these risks? Yes, uh, again, it's a question that we have to have probably, and, and I'm, sh- I'm sure the company as well has to be eternally vigilant and a little bit paranoid about almost because, you know, as you say, there have been numerous nuclear accidents in the past, including in the US, obviously Three Mile Island in um, late 70s, Chernobyl and, and Fukushima since then. Probably the, the first point that I'd make is, again, from talking to the company, it's quite well regulated in the US. So there's obviously the, the Nuclear Regulatory Commission, which you know, post the September 11 terrorism attacks, post Fukushima, etc., they maintain a very high you know, standard of operational requirements for nuclear power stations. The other thing which we learned, again, from our engagement with the company was all the nuclear operators in the, in the US essentially check each other. So one plant checks another plant and they rate each other and, and you know, these ratings are shared within the, the industry. For Constellation, you know, they have the biggest fleet as well. So then within the company, operators of different plants check and review how those plants are actually operating. Probably the final thing, again, to be really upfront about it is you know, some of the concerns around nuclear energy is can the same process, same materials be used for nuclear weapons? And clearly that, you know, that is a risk. But I suppose there's no additional issue here because you know, the US already is a nuclear state, a nuclear power, nuclear you know, weapons power essentially. So yeah, that's something that we're obviously conscious of, but we don't think that what Constellation Energy does is sort of incrementally adding to that issue. I guess a third concern is the upstream supply chain and the sourcing of nuclear fuel. Can you outline the supply chain and any risks that you see there? Yeah, so one of the challenges with nuclear energy in the US at the moment is that the vast majority of it is imported. And part of it is actually imported from Russia. So I think in 2021, 16% of the imports of nuclear energy into the US were from Russia. Now, the reason initially from that again, which we learned from the discussion with Constellation Energy was at the fall of the Soviet Union, they wanted to ensure that you know, this nuclear enrichment capability that Russia had was used for energy rather than for weapons. And so they, they were trying to sort of integrate Russia into the kind of global supply chain of uh, nuclear energy. Now, clearly, since the war in Ukraine, which James touched on earlier, that's become an increasing challenge. And so I think they, what's, what's sort of happening in the US is that they're slowly trying to remove Russia out of the supply chain for the uh, US nuclear energy uh, system. In terms of the actual operational risk for the company, you know, they, they announced quite early after the war started that you know, they essentially have enough fuel for a, a long time. Um, but we do actually see, you know, there aren't any sanctions around imports of nuclear fuel into the US from, from Russia, but we do see over time that issue essentially kind of disappearing as uh, those supply chains are reorganised given that you know, Russia is no longer a uh, reliable partner 
So, James, swinging back to you, regarding the future role of nuclear energy, what's your view on new nuclear power plants and do you see any opportunities there? Yeah, good good question. Um, probably not in the US. There's a lot of cost overruns that have happened in the West in, the, in these type of plants. So, you know, the main markets seem to be China and India on a sort of go-forward basis and obviously Constellation doesn't, doesn't have operations there or anything. So... We wouldn't expect to sort of benefit from any of that from Constellation Energy. What Constellation Energy can benefit from as a from their existing fleet is, and obviously they're you know it is a forty year old fleet, but they are obviously you know from speaking to the company, as Mike sort of mentioned, we've spoken to them. You know, a lot of the the plant has been retrofitted, so it's not actually a forty year old plant. It's 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 all new equipment, always getting refreshed in there. So. We would expect them to be able to extend the life of, of their plants, which means that they can basically earn money for longer. So, so you know, it remains a good investment from that perspective, but also there's additional optionality within the stock. So we didn't sort of speak about pink hydrogen, but Mike talked earlier about the emissions from actually making steel when he was talking about the windmills. And so some of these industries like steel industries and other industries like heavy transports and so forth, they're going to be quite difficult to decarbonise. And so hydrogen is actually a key um, enabler there. And so... You have grey hydrogen, which is coal-based hydrogen production. You have blue, which is natural gas. You have green, which is either wind or solar. And then you have pink hydrogen, which is from nuclear. And so Constellation can actually make additional earnings from basically selling pink hydrogen or producing pink hydrogen. So using their power to power the electrolysers to create hydrogen. So that's, that's an additional sort of upside opportunity for the company. Also, they can potentially consolidate other plants out there. So... There are a few sort of potential M and A opportunities for them in the in the near future as well, which is which is a bit of a potential upside for the stock. Um, in terms of where we could see in the West, which is obviously where we at Munro predominantly invest, and, you know, we could see some opportunities in these um, small modular reactors or SMRs. And so, as the name sort of suggests, these are smaller, simpler sort of reactors, and so the risk and the costs are, are lower. Um, and so, there's some statistics out there. That, that, you know, suggests that maybe they could become viable, viable, I suppose, in the West. So, um, you know, we, we sort of look at that space. There's a couple of companies out there that we could potentially invest into, but but at this stage, um, Constellation is our only nuclear power play for the most part. Wonderful. Well, that brings us to the end of our episode. Thank you so much both. I guess we won't be seeing any three-eyed fish swimming down the, the Yarra anytime soon. <laughs> To learn more about our climate fund or area of interest, head to our website at munropartners.com.au.